and Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. He jumped up and... That's Austin Nate. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins him and tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screen or draw? Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time, it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got to Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Our apologies to Kirk Street and Atlanta Time. We'll get to reschedule soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nate, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. I think when we look around the landscape of Dev EC2C, um, college fantasy in general, you can tell that the format has growth, whether it be, you know, the individual platforms themselves showing an interest in, you know, providing rankings for the format or something of that sort. Um, the format is growing and there's no more evidence of growth in the fact that there are content creators out there just independently creating content for Debian C2C. One of those guys is Todd Foster, FF underscore Banterman on Twitter. He started a new show. Uh, the Trade Portal, a C2C trade show, a new show that you can catch. Todd, is it available on iTunes or not iTunes, whatever, Apple Podcasts yet? Is it available yet? Uh, no, it will be very soon, possibly even tonight. Um, so long story short is, is that I'm very much um, with my kids a lot. So just getting things up on YouTube and getting out the content was my number one thing. And like Felix said, I'm doing it independently and on my own. So. You know, it just haven't been able to get it to where I wanted it to be for that on time. So by the end of the week, you will be able to find it on podcasts. Uh, but if you go to follow the show on Twitter at C2C Trade Portal, the YouTube channel is updated. And I'm going to be recording tomorrow night as well, doing a, uh, a a show based on, like, what are we missing? You know, like, why are these guys going so late in drafts? Why aren't they going two, three, four rounds earlier? Because we all know that ADP actually dictates a lot in trading, you know, because people will always go back and refer to that when they're talking about value, particularly when it's as ambiguous as, you know, C2C and Debbie. People try to use as much data as possible. 
What is what is it that led you to go ahead and start the show? So I'm the co-host on the Tale of Two Rivals with FF Spaceman, uh, Dave Wright, who's pretty well known in the space. Dave's actually been one of my best friends for like 15 years. Uh, we were I've been beating him in fantasy football for like 15 years. So um, when we started the show, Dave refuses to do C2C, like just refuses. And it's like my number one thing. And I go, dude, like we have the show. I absolutely love it. And like you would just refuse to play this. So I'm going to eventually go off and do something on my own. We took a hiatus from the show. Uh, we both had a lot of stuff going on with family. Uh, show is coming back in the fall, but it just kind of gave me an avenue to be able to say, like, this is where my passion's at. And the reason I'm doing it on my own is because I kind of want to just take my time and build this thing up to the way that I like it, you know? And it, by that way, also there's plenty of pressure on me. And, and I'm all about work-life balance because uh, at the end of the day, this is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a game in the way that I'm doing it right now. is a lot of fun. Well, we've got a couple of trades for you to analyze. Um, has somebody got the trades ready to read? I mean, I, I know that Todd has them, um, but we're a professional organization around here. Does someone <laughs> have the trades to to tee up for Todd? Okay, don't everyone? Yeah, we've got him here. Him? Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Austin. Okay. Um, so let's go with trade one here. Um, this is this is an interesting one here. It says uh, manager one gave up Malik Neighbors. A 2023 uh, college, uh, I'm assuming supplemental 205 pick, and a 2024 supplemental sixth round pick for Luther Burden and a 2023 303 supplemental pick. So essentially, neighbors 2023 205, 2024 sixth for Luther Burden, 2023 303. So out of the four trades you guys wanted me to take a look at, this is the one that I was leaning at being the most um, even. Out of, out of the four. Um, I'm actually leading the neighbor's side. Um, I do have burden ahead in neighbors, but neighbors is struggle. Nothing about Missouri really excites me, you know? So what you're looking at in neighbors is he looks like a day two guy, right? Is there a possibility? Is there some sort of narrative where neighbors gets himself into the first round? Yeah, it's possible. But I think his, his, his floor is day two, as far as I'm concerned, unless he falls flat on his face this year, which I seriously doubt's going to happen. And then on top of that is, I also believe he's going to be the better, you know, college football uh, producer this year. So the the only way this trade really works out for who's getting Burton is that Burton has to max out his potential. You know, like right now, Burton to me, like he he had a really difficult time against SEC defenses. Didn't had a really difficult time getting off the line. I'm also one guy who says, let's chill out. Remember, he was a freshman, right? But Neighbors already has production. He's already has the draft capital. He's already going to produce more points this year on the college side, as far as I'm concerned. So Burden is definitely the home run swing. That That's the Devi play, you know, like, like, you know, taking that risk. And I think it's a a risk worth taking if you believe in him. I'm personally starting to have my doubts. So... I would probably go with the neighbor's side on this. Does anybody disagree with that? Well, all I heard was that Burden is a Debbie guy and Malik Neighbors is only a college fantasy guy. That's what I just heard you say. Oh, no, no. I said day two cap, draft capital, uh, didn't I, Austin? That seems that seemed to be what you implied late there. That's all, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying he's going to be a better college football producer. And I also think that Neighbors, like, I, I could see a possibility of Neighbors being a first-round pick in the NFL draft. I don't believe that happens but i also see it being in the realm of possibilities i think he's been he's mocked there 
consistently. Yeah. A lot of people are putting him there. I didn't when I did my mock, but yep. I I'm one person and he's probably consensus first rounder right now. So I, I don't disagree with that point. Yeah. And to me, I'm more thinking round two, round three at, at worst, you know? So long story short is, is that to me, Burton has to max out, you know, you're, you're essentially saying here's this piece that I know is going to do things at multiple levels for me, but I want that potential, but that's also what makes the format fun. So it's not a terrible move, but I'm on the neighbor's side. Todd, just talk about Burton a little bit more. Like, are you leaning away from him reaching that potential or, I mean, where do you stand on that? I'm leading away with him reaching that potential just because I don't understand why this kid's at Missouri, you know, like, like being a part of that offense. I just don't think that offense is going to be able to elevate his game, you know? So I hope I'm wrong because I loved him as a prospect coming in. Cause I remember when he signed in Missouri, I just was like, okay, that he's going to get in there. He's going to play. And then I was like, who else is there? You know what I mean? So like, to me, like a wide receiver, needs talent around him to get the ball. You know what I mean? So to me, that's kind of like worries me. So I bet you if this kid has a decent year, but not a great year, he transfers and goes to a bigger program. Like if Luther Burton does not blow up this year, he has to transfer or he's really risking his NFL future as far as I'm concerned. All right, let's go trade number two here. Um, this one's a little more straightforward. I don't have to say as many numbers altogether. Austin Reed, QB at Western Kentucky, and a supplemental 705 this year for Jatavian Sanders, tied into Texas, and the 1310 in a supplemental this year. Uh, picks don't really mean much to me in this one. Um, it's a nice little kicker to make up a little bit of value. Um, but what you get. I get that Austin reads a stud on the college side, but you just gave up a first round potential draft pick. Who's a freak of athletic nature, who is so well suited for the NFL game that I don't think you need to give up a piece like that to be able to get a good college quarterback, Jaden Daniels, Pratt, Frank Harris, all cheaper options that you don't need to give up a first round draft pick for at a position where if you have a first-round draft pick at and he hits, that's a huge piece to have at the tight end spot. We know about that. Kyle, people went nuts about Kyle Pitts once he became Kyle Pitts, you know? Um, and Javante Sanders is that kind of athlete, except he's just bigger, you know? Is he going to produce like that? Probably not, you know? But he's still a guy who's going to have a high, high ceiling. So to me, I get it. You know, if you're going for a CFF title, I think you made you went a little too far with it. And I hope Reed gets you over that hump, but I just didn't like this, you know, because I think Sanders is probably one of the more undervalued uh, pieces that you can go out and get because people are forgetting he's a first round draft pick probably, you know, and if he's not, he's second round at best. I think it's a horrible trade, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah. For whoever got Austin Reed, that was a horrible trade. Yeah. I mean, Man. and I, I hate to to let out my inner Moxley here, but uh, Jatavian Sanders is not only going to be a first-round pick. I think he is a player that you can bet on on the college side this year to be a position. He's my tight end three. For, he's going to be one of the top-scoring tight ends in the CFF landscape. Yep. We saw the connection he had with, we'll talk about, as Felix will tell you, a horrible Quinn Ewers last year, yet still produced the way that he did. 
And he's going to be a first-round pick. Austin Reed maybe gets drafted day three next year. Maybe. And I guarantee you can find yourself another quarterback somewhere in the draft, in the supplemental draft, that's going to give you the same amount of value, possibly even better than Austin Reed. So you gave up a first-round pick and a top-three scoring player at his position, which is harder to find that kind of production, in my opinion, on the CFF side and on the NFL side, for a guy who realistically is going to give you one year of production on the college side and then probably nothing in the NFL. Yeah, I kind of... um... I kind of put it as giving up like a stud wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers, you know, like, like you essentially just traded something like, I don't know. I'm going to throw somebody out here like Jalen Waddle for Aaron Rodgers, you know, like to me, I'm like, why would you do that? You know? And Austin Reed also might I add is he has to play at the level that he did last year for that trade to make any sense, you know? And there's a really good chance that that doesn't happen because he played nuts. Do I think he could actually be better? I do, but there's a really good chance he's not, you know? And you just gave up a first-round draft pick at a position that's scarce, you know? So, yeah, it it was just bad. I was trying to be nice, nice and Matt decided not to No. I'm violence <laughs> you know, tonight. That's a worst time here, man. I'm not trying to rip people apart from your Discord. Can I can <laughs> I uh can I play some devil's advocate here? Yeah, sure. I, I, I think there's actually a good chance that Austin Reed has a better statistical season this year than he did last year. His second year in that offense, his second year playing at this level. I think they're, Chris, I don't want to call them runaway favorites in their conference, but I think they're prohibitive favorites at this point. So I think they're going to be winning a lot of games, and I think their version of killing off games is still going to be passing the ball. Like I don't think they're going to get up by 10 and pound the ball. So I actually think Austin Reed probably has, I think there's a good, a solid chance that he's a better statistical producer than he was last year. And I just don't care about tight ends at all. Literally don't care about tight ends at all. I will okay. trade every tight end I've ever had in college I, for anything that's even remotely valuable today. I, I so. actually feel the same way, except for the ones that are really freaking good. And Jatavion Sanders is one of them. Like, he's the exception to the rule. Like, I'm all about late-round tight ends. You know what I mean? Like, all about it. Like, don't worry about it. I've just traded for Dalton Schultz everywhere because he's cheap. You know what I mean? So, like, long story short is is that, like, this is a guy who's an exception to that rule as far as I'm concerned. I want to play devil's advocate to the devil's advocate. Yeah, I was going to ask Austin a question on that as too. But go ahead, Felix. Austin Reed loses his offensive coordinator, loses his second and third leading receiver, right? So, I mean, yes, it is the same offense, but he's um, he's still got Malachi Corley, but he's his second and third leading pass catchers are going to be guys that he wasn't passing the ball to regularly last year. So those are some things to consider when considering, you know, whether or not he'll repeat the performance that he did last year. But, I mean, we've seen two consecutive years of Zach Kitley's offense in Western Kentucky. I know Zach Kitley last year was in – Texas Tech, but we've seen that offense produce over two years. But there is a lot of change uh, this coming year. It's true. I think the offense, the offensive coordinator matters basically nothing here, just because I think it's the same thing every single. It doesn't matter. It, the, Tyson Tyson Helton has been there. running the same offense for yeah. ten years. So I, I don't think Kentucky. that part matters. At the wide receiver stuff is, um, I, I think it's a fair concern. Um, but those guys were both in the roster last year too, so they're not new. And Matheson put up what 400, 500 yards last year, so he's. You know, he's, he's played before. So, yeah, I, I have I have less concern about the receivers, I think, than you do. 
the the last thing I'll add on this because I know we've got other trades to do is uh, Riley Leonard and Joe Milton are both considered to be very good CFF quarterbacks this year. Likely won't do much less than Austin Reed. Both are available in like almost every C two C supplemental draft I've seen. So again, you can grab them early in your supplemental drafts and not give up Jatavian Sanders. Yep, I agree. There's a lot more risk with those profiles than there is Austin Reed. Just to like, I feel like this is an Austin Reed isn't going to be that good. Like he's, a, he's I just drafted him as the QB no, too. He's fine. He's he, going to but be good, he, but but he's going to be really good. So like, if quarterback is your weakness, I can understand this trade. I mean, I'm taking the Sanders side because tight ends and and whatnot um, matter to me, and even if they don't to others. But like, I don't want people to come away from this thinking like we should downgrade Austin Reed because he's projections as a top three quarterback. Um, and like, yeah, there's just, I think there's a better NFL future than maybe like we're, uh, he's going to be a day three draft pick. He's going to yeah, be that's what I said. It's a day three pick. I, I'm and not he's really, he's not. It, but if he doesn't have his receivers this year, he might just run more because he's a pretty athletic quarterback too. Could have gotten him for less than Jatavian Sanders. A lot less. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, a yes, lot. Yeah. You could a have. lot less. All right, let's go to trade. Yes. Let's go to trade three here. This one is a fun one because it's got some NFL guys and some college guys mixed in. That we get a lot of questions on that. So team one gets Josh Allen and AJ Dillon. And that's it. Team two gave up everything they own here. They gave up Tua, Drew Alar, Quinshawn Judkins, Matthew Golden, Jonathan Mingo, Bryson Nesbitt, a 2024 college first. And a 2024 college third. This one was fun. Um, I actually just traded Josh Allen in a move to get Caleb Williams. And Ooh, okay. that would be him and Marvin Harrison Jr. are the only guys I would consider getting back to move Josh Allen. Um, there are certain QBs and super flex you don't move off of unless you're getting back elite players, right? Tua is an elite quarterback when he's healthy. But I do not trust having to a long-term, and that's not something I need to go into. If you're watching this show, you understand Tua's medical history, you know? And then on top of that is, is like, I like Aller. Um, I like, I love Junkins, you know? And those are two places that it makes us intriguing to be able to put those three guys with Allen. That's not so far off like value wise. Right. And then AJ Dillon for the rest of that golden Mingo Nesbitt, the picks. I mean, that's a freaking slam dunk, but at the end of the day, you're not going to come across Josh Allen very often. So you better getting something that can elevate to the level that Josh Allen is. And none of those guys are really looking like sure bets to be putting your money on to saying they're going to get to that level. Tua, I think, is a great trade down. Like, I don't, this was such a cool trade to break down. And I would absolutely be okay with somebody taking that package because it is a lot. But me personally, you don't trade elite quarterbacks in, in Canton unless you're getting back elite assets and nothing in there is my in my eyes as elite. I think I think Drew Aller has the potential to be elite. I think we he don't has the know. potential. But we don't. But we don't know. I don't. I don't disagree with you there. Yeah. I I have the potential to be elite. You don't know. You haven't seen me play on a field either. I'm just saying. Yeah, but we also know that Josh Allen's going to be a top three pick in 
it, it you know in every startup in Superflex. The, the upside of this package is substantial. It is. And the risk of this package is substantial. Correct. That is the issue that I have. And I like I, I'm not nearly as tuned into NFL value. So like I don't know what AJ Dillon and Tua are like currently like the what the marketplace thinks of them. But I know Josh Allen. None of those pieces are telling me like I Jonathan Mango's probably gonna bust. Golden, I'm not super high on Bryson Nesbitt, whatever. 2024 first in a um in a down draft, like I'm I'm right there with you with your assessment. The best NFL analysis that you will get on this show is I know Josh Allen. (laughs) (laughs) I know we I'm at least gonna be honest when I'm out of my depth in terms of valuing like Tua. Like I I I have no idea how he's being valued. Like I I don't even like him as a player all that much. But I don't wanna I don't wanna speak where I, I don't know a whole lot. But I agree with your assessment. I mean I wouldn't trade Josh Allen for even though this is a really good package. The man will tell you all about Charlotte's third running back, though. So stay tuned for that if you if you want that information later in the show. I, I feel like the person who sent this trade was a guy who had Tua. And he did a great job putting an offer yeah. to get Allen. Yeah. That's what my I'd like to know that. But Th- there's a le- there's a legitimate chance looking at the Tua side of the, the team two side of this next year that um Drew Alar plays fine. Let's say, you know, it's like his his 50th percentile outcome for the year where he plays fine but doesn't blow the doors off anything. So now we've waited two years. I think that hurts his value. Uh, there's a chance that Golden, we've talked about this on this show, is not the guy. Houston this year is not like – he's the guy, but he's not the guy at Houston, yeah. which I think makes a big difference. And to, uh, you know, I don't want to predict another injury, but just doesn't – because of the injuries, doesn't really take any sort of step forward at, at best as lateral. And all of a sudden, that package looks really, really rough. I, I there, there's a real chance that by November you're like, oh my god, I just traded Josh Allen for a bunch of stuff that does nothing for me ever, except for maybe Judkins. I think Judkins will hold value this year, no matter what. I actually find Jular to be one of my biggest sells in C2C uh, because I just think that his potential right now is just through the freaking roof. The hype machine has gone away. I use him in a trade. I think Austin, I think you're the only one in that league with me. The um, the Debbie Grind League. I just put him in a package to get Caleb Williams, mm-hmm. you know? So like I used him as my main piece and I backed it. I think it was Roderick Robinson, somebody else. Oh, Jatavion Sanders. Uh, <laughs> right. And I used those three pieces to be able to work my way into a deal to get Caleb Williams. You know, I love that. Be- I like yeah, that lot, exactly. Lo- lo- love that. But you know why I'm able to do that? Because everyone feels that Drew Lark could be that guy, but we don't know. So I can listen too much Felix. Yeah, you know, but I, it, it's all good. I mean, I could also be like, I'm not saying he's going to be bad. I'm just saying his value is right now he's being uh, like, he's the end of the first round of of a, of a startup. Like, you can't get much higher, you know, except for going up four or five spots in terms of value. You can't get much higher without having really started a season. That, exactly. That, that's true. Yeah. So we, I'll just take the guy who's probably the best quarterback to come out since Drew Luck. Did I say Drew Luck? Andrew Luck. Holy crap. <laughs> you know, some people really like Drew Luck. So, you know, we, we can we will accept either as a correct answer. Okay. Um, last no, trade please. here for you, Todd. All right. uh, and I, I think this is an interesting one uh, as well. I've seen a lot of these kind of offers floating around this offseason. This person offered the 112 supplemental pick this year and their 2024 first. So next year's first as well for the this year's 105 in a supplemental draft. 
presumably while they were on the clock, to take Jonte Cook there at that spot. And that's uh, it's a seven-point jump up for next year's first, essentially. I understand getting your guy, but this was kind of crazy to jump up seven spots for a guy who's not really being mocked regularly in the top five, you know? Um, I mean, Cook is top five pick in a lot of drafts, but he's not consistently a top five pick. It's either QB, Branch, or Baxter, right? Yeah, I'm 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 very aware. I I'm if I'm sure, there, he is, yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Austin is the reason why this why this trade happened. He's hyped it up to the point that this actually very happened. Awesome. You know what I mean? Call the, we call this move the Austin in yeah. the Discord. Yeah. 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 You're the reason why I'm trading Cook off all my teams and just raking in Canton assets. So <laughs> so um yeah, I mean to me, I feel like that first round pick next year, that could be a pretty significant pick. And that's I, I really like that class coming in, especially the QBs. There is some phenomenal wide receivers in that class. So to me, you're looking at you're essentially trading two key assets to move up like seven spots, you know. And I'm thinking 112, like Ennis is probably still there. I have them in the same tier, you know. So to me, I'm kind of like that's too much to move up for there. But you really want your guy. I mean, go get your guy, you know? I just feel like a first-round pick couldn't have done that. A second, I would have been okay with that. Or throw in, like, go, like, second four and then ask back for, like, like 8-12. You know what I mean? Like, just something to make them feel like they're getting, like, us two pieces back. You know what I mean? And being able to start that. I think one of the things that probably fell apart in this trade is there wasn't enough dialogue. You know? It, it feels, like, very much like here, just smash it, smash accept. You know what I mean? Just just smash it. Just do it now. I need this. You know? You should have been starting dialogue for this trade, the pick before, and then not giving up your first round pick next year. You know? So that's just how I feel about that one. And Cook could be nasty. Don't get me wrong. But I just think it's too much to move up, just to move a first round pick move up seven spots. You can find Todd at FF underscore Banterman. And he mentioned – you can find the – what is the Twitter handle for the actual show? At C2C Trade Portal. At C2C Trade Portal. And I think you can find it in the bio of your um, your regular handle, FF underscore Banterman. Todd, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun. See you later. Thanks, Todd. Uh, once Todd has his show uploaded to um, iTunes or whatever they call it now, go ahead and leave him a five-star rate and review. And tell him that you heard him here on the Devi debate or whatever we're calling this show now. Uh, the Freshman Guy went on sale July 1st. Make sure if you have it downloaded. CFF Guide. The CFF Guide. I meant me. to change CF that on the sheet. I saw you did that. My bad. The CFF Guide, uh, uh, July 1st. Go ahead and download that. And the season, the college football season is what, 45 days away or something like that? we're the place that you want to hang out with uh, with all day. We have the morning show, the tailgate. In the afternoon, we'll be chopping it up with our Discord. And then the evening, we'll be tucking you into bed at night with College Fantasy tonight. Um, so you want to hang out with us during the season. Subscribe to the YouTube page if you haven't already. This is our flag plant show, and I'm glad that everybody's finally back for this show because it's a lot of fun. We've had hits and misses. There's been Jaden Wallies. There's been Brian Bates. There's been, uh, I mean, I don't, who was who was the qu the quarterback from Arizona, Matthew? That you really like, Grant? Was it Grant Gannell? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Backup Grant quarterback Gunnell. at North Texas, baby. No, he's not even at North Texas anymore. <laughs> we, he where is he? Texas State. 
I don't even remember. <laughs> another Isn't another like quarterback Sam going Houston to Texas State. Oh, he is Sam Houston. Yeah. We were right I, about the state, yeah. though. Yeah. There's like 12 schools there, so you just fish around until you find the one. Yeah. Yeah. He was at North Texas last year and was the backup. It's a fun show that we do every single year. Um, Anthony Richardson, one of those guys. So I, hopefully we get better. Now, flag plant, all of us can take that any particular way. It could be, you know, a guy that's undervalued, a guy that we just feel confident in. I have no idea. And the way that we're going to, going to do it this year, and I hope everybody understood the, the directions, we're going to pick a flag plant for each individual position and then a flag plant for the next three draft classes. So the 2024 class, the 2025 class, and the 2026 class. Um, so I don't know how, why don't we start this way? Austin, we'll go around the horn. Uh, we'll start with our quarterback. We'll start with the position groups and we'll start with our quarterback flag plants and have the discussion. Let's go. Okay. Um, so this is a name that I actually don't think I've mentioned what we've talked a little bit about him, but I've never personally really talked about him, but I, I like tailing green for this year, quite a bit at Boise state. And it really, the reason that I've kind of come around to this as I've thought about this team throughout this whole offseason is that we really like the running backs on that team. We like George Halani. We like Ashton Genty. And maybe like one of these wide receivers is a post-hype sleeper, but they all really were not very good last year. So I think for Boise to be as good as we think they're going to be, it's really going to have to be the tail and green show in addition to those two running backs. So I think I'm expecting a lot of rushing production from him. Um, and then some hero ball type quarterback stuff as well. This is a kid that's, you know, depending on where you look, 6'5", 6'6", probably over 220 pounds. He's very big. He's very mobile. He's very athletic. Um, he has a, a really, really, really good arm as well. The Mountain West is not exactly known for their their prolific defenses there. Like I said, I think Boise is going to be a good team. So I think they're just going to, to, quite frankly, score a lot of points this year. I'm still fairly iffy on him as an NFL guy. Like for, for a lot of these quarterbacks, like tailing green still cheap enough where this is the off season where you buy him. And then if he gets any sort of hype, then you sell him next off season. And you basically just do that every off season and you'll probably end up profiting uh, pretty well on, on a lot of these big rushing quarterbacks. Um, so that's probably the play with him this off season. I think he's in startups. He's, he's probably going like in the 15th, 16th round of, of C2C startups. If you're talking about a Debbie league, I bet he's not going earlier than QB 25, 30, depending on how quarterback or a freshman hungry your league is. So he, he's a great kind of stash or, you know, not premium pick kind of guy that has a pretty good chance to accrue uh, a healthy amount of value, but I still have enough skepticism around him that I, I'd probably sell, but I, I like him for this year quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, the mountain West has had a quarterback to stay up and watch the last couple of years. It was Carson strong, then Jay Kaner. And now this year it's, it's Taylor green. And the mountain West is always a really fun conference. Now he's got a QB. Is there oh, any ahead, concern? Chris. I just quick follow up. So he is draft eligible this year. He, he's not going to the draft. He's way too raw. Um, but I mean, he is to improve a lot, and he'll be a fifth-year quarterback at the time. Where, where do you feel comfortable taking him? Like, are I know where sure he's going he, now. Are you sure he'll be a fifth-year quarterback next year? I only he, have him down as this is his third year. Fourth year, correct? yeah. He'll be he'll be he'll be a fourth-year quarterback. Sorry, he's draft eligible this year for the first time. Thank you. Um, I mean, we haven't ranked his quarterback forty-one on the site. So, where should he be? So I'm probably going to, over the next couple of weeks, as I finalize my rankings here, probably bump him up a handful of spots. I think I have him right around 40. Um, 
I think it depends on how ambitious you want to be on kind of just getting your hands on one of these rushing quarterbacks. I would rather have take him at what I think his prob- probable value is of somewhere after QB 30 in a Debbie league than I would to probably spend up on a Joe Milton who let's be like Joe Milton throws a football further than anybody's ever thrown a football. Like I think that's just a fact of life, but I would rather spend the way cheaper cost on tailing green. Cause I just think he, there, there's a much better chance that he doesn't poop the bed this year. Yeah. Fair enough. So I did not understand the assignment. Um, <laughs> Too busy watching soccer. So there, I'm gonna kind of just figure out what I'm gonna do here. I put. So I thought you I said. I put Kyle McCord. Do you? No, do you want to go last? Put a chalk flag plant and a deep flag plant. Ch- so oh, I put chalk. 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 So okay. I did two for each class because I thought that's what we were doing. Hmm. I put okay. a chalky guy and a deep guy. So I'll just pick random dudes from all of my like 30 names I have on here. Quarterback, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with with Quinn for now. I mean, I've talked enough about him, so I don't need to go super long on it. But you know, Felix uh, Moxley did a great Felix impression last week, um, and we've heard Felix say all the time that he's never seen a throw that he likes from him. But our text thread, and if you go watch the YouTube show, which is uh, I thought very good that me and Felix did on him, where uh, Felix talked about how much he actually really liked the throw to Jatavian Sanders in the Oklahoma game. So he loves to lie on this program, but outside of this, he actually does like some of Quinn Ewer's throws. He's set up to succeed this year. We've already seen through any NFL site that you want to go to, he's already getting projected first-round draft capital with the season he had last year. If he improves just a little bit, there is going to be enough, I think, draft buzz there for him to get drafted highly. Whether he ends up being good or not, I can call that a hit because we talked about how Zach Wilson succeeded in getting second or drafted second overall and sucks in the NFL, but it's a hit. So as long as Quinn Ewers gets drafted and retains value, hell, it's a hit, baby. So I'm going to say Quinn Ewers. I think he has a good year this year and ends up getting drafted in the first round 2024 draft. King of the false equivalency. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, that's just so bad. When you were who was going one on one in supplemental drafts would have been the was first that, round. Was that your startups. deep was that your deeper guy, Matt? No, <laughs> number one that's is Caleb Williams. Guy. No, my deep guy I'll talk about I have the twenty twenty four class. I'll I'll, okay. I'll save him okay. for that. Okay. And you had Quinn Ewers over Caleb Williams just to if we go back a year. Probably quarterback yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. I did. What do you, mean, I probably? you know you did. I, I won't <laughs> I'm not gonna change that opinion right now. I'll keep it the same. You still have oh, no. Quinn Ewers over Caleb Williams? No, Caleb Williams is ranked as my number one quarterback <laughs> on the site. Oh, but in his heart. It's always going to be Quinn. Mox. Um, I had trouble with this one. Quarterback is such a hard position. So, like, I wanted to go with the CFF guy. I felt like it was undervalued, who has some NFL potential. But I ended up going with Jackson Arnold instead. Um. I feel like he's always the last quarterback taken among that group of like big five, I would say. And I think he is closer to like two than he is to being any part of the next group. So he's going, he usually gets drafted between like 10 and 12 in in supplementals. And I think that's such a great value for a quarterback who I think is a five, who is a five star. And I think could be a really big impact player in this offense starting even next year. Um, Dylan Gabriel has another year of eligibility, but he's, I mean, it's the Arnold show next year. And I think he's a really good player. I mean, he lit up Texas football 
I think he has a lot of potential. I think this offense is going to do him wonders. So uh, he's a player that I, I'm really aggressively targeting um, and have been. I feel the same way about Arch Manning too, who I think is being pushed down, but you're not getting him out of value in most Debbie drafts or like most C2C drafts. So I, but I think you can feel similarly about Arnold's prospects and get him at that discount. So I, I really like him. His value tra- trails the other four because he is the like the fifth ranked quarterback, but he's still a five star quarterback. In some classes, your third ranked quarterback might be a four star, like a mid star, four star guy. It just so happens that this class is exceptional, and they have five really good guys. So I, I think he's better than a, anybody else coming in next year. His, yeah, one hundred percent. His final grade for me would put him as the QB two in next year's class in my current I'm, rankings. Yeah, to it. Royola, just behind Royola right now. Royola. Yeah. I'd say in and him are probably toss up. Yeah. Arnold's a better rusher than Saiyan. And Royal. Yes, he is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Royal, yeah. Um, I so I think from my perspective, flag plants are always like guys that you can get at a value that well, at least for this first one, I that that I think have a potential NFL ceiling. Um, so you know, it kind of I don't like to be the guy that says I'm planting my flag on Saquon Barkley or, or Jonathan Taylor. And I see that type of analysis a lot from the dynasty fantasy community. When they get a hold of rankings, they tell you that B. John Robinson is good when we've known B. John Robinson was good for three years. So uh, anyway, with that, with that, and, and the other thing is I, this show actually puts a lot of pressure on me. Like I want to, like, I want to get these right. These deeper calls. I don't have a name, at least for this first one that I haven't said a bunch, but it is Carson Beck. Carson Beck, is going to be my quarterback flag plant. He just has a command of the offense. He had 35 attempts last year, completed 74% of his passes. Again, just on on uh, 35 attempts, nine yards per pass attempt. Once we get over 10, we know that that guy is really like stretching the field. And that's what I see from Carson Beck is like he is not afraid to aggressively throw the ball downfield. And what I mean that is I don't mean like just lofting the ball on go routes. What I mean is just throwing lines, those those passes that travel 20 yards down the field, but don't go, you know, more than 12 yards uh, off the ground and have kind of that low trajectory uh, in the seams, those throws. He's not afraid to make um, uh, those types of throws. And then. I'm going to name a couple of quarterbacks today. A, a few of them are pocket passers, but they all make quick decisions. Um, Carson Strong, a pocket passer, he's not somebody who's going to move, but he's somebody who sees the field well and makes those quick decisions. And so I, I like that in a pure pocket passer. I, me and Chris have talked about this on the Better Sports Show. I thought that he was a great uh, dark horse Heisman candidate. Um, Brock, Brock Vandegrift, not a threat. Uh, Gunnar Stockton, not a threat. Very easily. I don't. I, I wish I could see where the rest, where everybody else has him, but he's on my top ten at quarterback now. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm guessing that I'm the outlier on Beck. So that's easily why he's my my flag plan at the quarterback position. He was everyone else is is much much lower on him, um, like outside of their top forty. But I I think Beck is some Beck was a player I considered as well because I thought the throws he made in the spring game were more impressive than like anything Stetson did last year. He had those throws you're talking about that like don't go more than like ten yards above his head. To one down the sideline to McConkey, and then the other one was to maybe yes. to Brock Bowers on the opposite yeah. sideline. I don't remember who caught it now, but he was he was one of the guys I considered. Yeah, let's go to um, let's go to wide receiver uh, uh, Austin. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Uh, Ricky White is a guy that both just like C2C because I think he has uh, untapped CFF and Debbie potential. 
for those that remember the name, he started off in 2020 at Michigan State. And he had that huge – he only played three games. That was COVID year. They only played six games or something like that that year. Uh, but he had like he, – he, for the season, he had 10 catches for 223 yards and a touchdown. And I think all of that came in one game or pretty close to it. He had an enormous game, and then he just like disappeared off the face of the earth. Didn't play at all the next year at Michigan State. There was some sort of unknown issue. Wound up at UNLV, and we thought we were going to get a really big year out of him last year because the opening game he went out again and had an enormous game. And then he was fine last year, 51, 619, and 4. He's 6'1", 185. He is a power five NFL level athlete. Like he, he is, um, you know, he's not, he's not a sub four, four guy or anything, but he, he'll run well. Um, the other athletic traits, uh, uh, pretty good. He's a, he's a solid route runner, but the real reason that I, I think that he can take a step this year is because their new offensive coordinator is Brennan Marion. And for those not familiar with Brennan Marion, he runs the go-go offense. He's been a passing game coordinator slash wide receiver coach at a couple of prominent schools lately. Uh, most recently, Texas last year and the year, years before that, he was at Pitt working with Jordan Addison, kind of turned him into the guy that he is today. Obviously, White's not Jordan, Ad, uh, not Addison, but I think there's a legitimate chance that Ricky White can go round three this year if he has a really big year. I think it's really just dependent on Doug Brumfield and how he plays a quarterback there. And if you look at their schedule, which is my last point here, they play Michigan in the non-con, and they play Vanderbilt. And we think Vanderbilt stinks, but they're SEC-level athletes. They'll, they'll, they'll give them some trouble defensively. But then if you look at the rest of the schedule defensively, Bryant, UTEP, Nevada, Hawaii, Colorado State, Wyoming, uh, New Mexico, San Jose State, Air Force, and Fresno State. There are maybe two or three defenses there that should give them issues. The rest sh really shouldn't be a lot of resistance. So I, I think there's... There's thousand yard upside here, and I think there there is legitimate uh, round three upside because he's still only going to be a fourth fourth year guy and played with Brock or um, who did he play with uh, uh, Harrison Bryant and Eric Gilbert in high school. So, well, um, I thought you were going to say that he played with Jaden Reed, um, who was your one of your flag plants last year, former Michigan State wide receiver Jaden Reed, and uh, Chris Moxley has broken down this go go offense for UNLV at campuscant.com just go ahead and i guess you can search for chris's name and that article uh will Bre will come up brennan marion endorsed by the way just saying he retweeted it so so you know it's legit there we go all right uh so we're just gonna stay marvin with, harrison uh, jr Marvin Harrison. No, no I thought about guy. it. He's digging deeper than that. I thought about it. Uh, no, I mean, he's a guy that I did like coming out last year. Uh, he's honestly been getting a lot of talk uh, over the Camps to Canton radio here of late, and that's Tedaroa McMillan. I think he's going to have a, a massive season this year, and I do think he's got a shot to be a first-round draft pick there in, what's 2025? When you look at what he was able to do last year, not being the number one, in that offense, he was the number two wide receiver for that entire class uh, in a dot with 16.7. That, that was his a dot last year. He was top 15 in yards per route run. All that not being the number one wide receiver. I think he passes Jacob Cowing this year as the number one wide receiver in that offense. And we've talked a lot about how we think that the Arizona offense and Jed Fish's offense is very good. They typically produce very high-end wide receivers. Something Austin and me were talking about today in text was that they haven't really had a stud wide receiver, though, and I do think that McMillan is that. I do not think that he is Drake London. I know that's the comp that goes out there. I think that's just because of the size and his play style. 
I don't know that he, at least in my opinion, creates the separation that London was able to do in route at times in his final year. But I don't want to say that he can't get to that. Because if we're being honest, a lot of the reservation we had on our recruiting team last year was we didn't see a lot of that in his high school film, him being able to create separation, but we saw it last year. So I can't, I I don't want to say that he can't continue to grow and become a better wide receiver. I think he's going to be a first round guy. I think he's going to smash for you the next two years, including this year, where I think he outproduces everybody in that wide receiver core. Um, He's a guy that I'm betting on being a, a stud for the next two years. And again, getting that first round draft capital in two years in the NFL. Do you have a comp for Tet? Matt. I've so in the freshman guy, or I'm sorry, in the Debbie guy, because I wrote up his Debbie profile when I said Kenny Galladay, but I don't know that he's the the A dot tells me that he's a deep threat, like at least in this last year in college. I don't know that I think he's going to be that, but that's kind of where I've I've pushed. I think he's more Kenny Galladay than he is Drake London. I don't I don't hate that. Um I was stuck between two guys here. One I'm going to say for later. I'm going to go pretty off the board. And I'm going to go Travis Hunter at Colorado. Mm. Because I've taken him a lot this offseason. I am basically saying this dude could be a top five wide receiver in college if he switched the position. He's not going to play there full time. You're not going to get that production from him. Under Understand that. But he played a lot of wide receiver in spring. And he is a couple like, he's not like super refined at the position, but you saw enough in high school where he would have probably been the wide receiver one in his class. He's the one player in his class. And he was excellent <laughs> on both sides of the ball. Um, but I think the upside that you have with him is worth taking that stab on in your drafts. So like I've drafted him in the second round a bunch. I think I even took him in the first round of a depleted um, supplemental, which is the, the program. The upside is just tremendous. And so he's a player that I'm saying just he goes late enough where you can you can take that risk and just say, hey, if he does go to wide receiver full time for whatever reason, you have a player who I think is a phenomenally talented wide receiver. I don't think it's going to happen, but I just I, I you're at that point where you bet on upside, especially in the supplemental like that. It's like same reason that I'm taking someone like Cam Seldon, who is very unrefined at the position, but he, I mean he'll play offense. But you know, that's that's the gist of it. His hundred percent hundredth percentile outcome, or even his seventy-fifth percentile outcome, if he plays wide receiver, is probably a productive NFL player. Does anybody have any sense for why it is that he played like full-time wide receiver in the spring? They My were down sense. they were down a, a lot of wide receivers. Yeah. And he he admittedly came out and said, I want to get better on that side of the ball. I think they wanted early and they wanted spring. they wanted him to learn the playbook too, so that he had it. Oh, yeah. Sean will be a new offensive coordinator. Dion has come out and said that he doesn't want him playing cornerback. He wants him playing wide receiver. He's he could be like the best corner in college if he wanted to. He could be the I don't know if he could be the best wide receiver, but like he's a top five wide receiver talent. He's really good. He just needs to refine a little bit of the nuances of the position. But like you see it on his film. My thought is that. I don't know if you ever heard Dion talk about they ran cat defense when he was with the Cowboys. That's your cat. There's my cat. <laughs> and like, there's no, I don't know that you necessarily need to practice. Of course you need to practice, but there's nothing real complicated about we're running press man. That's what we're going. That's what we're going to do. Now I have no idea what defense uh, Dion ran at Jackson state and what he's going to run at Colorado. But I mean, Travis Hunter is uber athletic. I don't even, who would be the best 
wide receiver matchup for him in the um in the Pac-12. I'm trying to, oh, I guess for like Roma Dunze. Roma Dunze. Roma Dunze. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be an interesting one. Okay. All right. Um, it's on me. Another name. Look, if you've been paying attention to the last couple of months and us talk, and as we get rankings kind of um solidified, Monterey Baldwin is a guy who's going undrafted. And for, for a guy like when we're looking for late round draft picks, they have to have some sort of trump card. Well, you can say that Monterey Baldwin is the fastest player and offensive player in college football. Uh, according to Real Analytics, he had a, a um, mile per hour time over 23 miles per hour. And if you 20 ever over 21 miles per hour is kind of like our threshold over 22 miles per hour, you're really moving to get to 23 miles per hour is ridiculous. Uh, I've also been a longtime fan of Jeff Collins. Jeff Collins' offense is like a mixture of this 49ers wide zone. They run some air raid too, but it's a combination of those things. But they run play action off of wide zone. And I love play action off of wide zone because it puts your the safety opposite the wide receiver. It puts them in a bind because they're running the play action to that side. That safety gets tucked down. And then the backside wide receiver is running a post behind them. And if you fall step, you're kind of out of position. For a guy with as much speed as Monterey Baldwin has, if you have a quarterback who can get him the ball, that guy's going to be open on a lot of deep shots. And we've seen the NFL emphasize speed in the last couple of drafts, and they've taken chances with smaller receivers. So um, last year was his first year as a starter, and he was the leading receiver on the team in receptions and yards. Can he build on that production this year? Maybe. I'm, uh, you know, I'm hoping so. I wish that Jeff Collins had a better quarterback um than Blake Shapin, but you know it is what it is down there in Baylor but I'm gonna have a thread at some point in the next couple of weeks where I talk about players who um are going undrafted who can be in our queues next year Monterey Baldwin is going to be at the top of that list of potential guys because he's going undrafted he's going to be my flag plant from a value perspective for uh the 2023 season oh all right um running back Austin yeah, this one, uh, quicker explanation. I, I was a little hesitant to crown Caleb Johnson last year in his true freshman year just because I thought they had a lot of guys that were six foot 220, basically exactly what I wanted, very similar athletically speaking. Um, but I think Johnson, it looks like he has that job. I think Iowa probably wins their side at the Big Ten this year. I think they're, you know, they're not amazing offensively. We all know that they're going to run the ball a lot. Um, but I, I think he's got good size, he's an NFL level athlete. I don't think he quite hits a thousand yards this year, but I think I'll have a pretty solid season there in the big 10. And uh, it's pretty much all I've got. The one thing I don't know about him is whether he has a real three down skill set or not. Like I, I, I honestly don't know that. And we won't know that when he leaves Iowa, um, but that's fine. All right. You want me to go with a uh, very well-known name or a, Oh uh, my gosh. Uh, low end guy. Low end. Low end. Okay. I got to scroll through my list really quick. I'll go with, um, I mean, I've talked about him before. Uh, I'll go with Ray Davis. Uh, I know that it's been. I wish I'd said that out loud before did, did you started you... talking. Cause I knew you were going to say, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I think it's a good landing spot for him in Kentucky. He played fairly well last year for a very, very bad Vanderbilt team. While I have no illusion of him being like a second round or third round draft pick. He's going to be likely a day three guy. I I would find it very hard to believe he gets drafted on day two. But if you look at what he compares to athletically in our database, Javante Williams, Vic Ballard, Malcolm Brown, CJ Anderson, 
all of which had various levels of NFL success for the, the lowest one was CJ Anderson, which was still five years. If he gets drafted day three, he is a guy that will end up on your NFL team again. He's probably never going to be a guy you're consistently putting in your RB2 spot on your NFL side, scoring you a ton of points. But he is a guy that I think will be good depth for a team. If their starter gets injured, I think he will ha- he will be able to come in and be a guy that you will start for multiple weeks. He is a good receiving back as well. We saw the one-handed catch he made. I think it was last. Yeah, it was last year because it was a- it was on Vanderbilt. He's a good receiving back. The injuries, in my opinion, have definitely zapped his legs. He does not have the burst he had as a freshman, but I still think he's going to be a very good running back. You're going to get a lot out of him this year in CFF. At least based where our CFF team has him ranked, they think he's going to be very good. I think he's going to be good. He's going to get NFL draft capital next year. My my high end guy was going to be. I was going to talk Travion Henderson. So that's who that's who you guys didn't get. Hey, when you look at some of the things for him, I, I had a very compelling argument, but you chose you chose Ravens. Jeez, black plan on Travion Henderson. I mean, I mean, you, you out here talked about he's not that good, Felix. So you might as well just pick Caleb Williams to round out your list as far as flag plans. I go. thought about yeah. it. <sighs> Mox running back. Oh, who is yours again, Austin? Caleb Johnson. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Shout out Iowa. I'm going to go with another freshman. Um, or a player available in supplemental. Uh, and that's Tavius Braswell, uh, running back headed to South Carolina. I just think there's a really good chance that he outperforms his uh, current cost. And you're looking at him as a high upside player entering 2024. Um, they don't really have anything going on in that backfield right now. Their best player is a converted quarterback to carry and joiner. Uh, converted quarterback, converted wide receiver to carry and joiner. The Murrow Anderson who transferred in, I don't really think highly of him. Braswell can Braswell is pretty quick for his size. He's already over 200 pounds, 5'11. Um, he's got speed. You consistently see him pull away on tape. I think he could be a good receiver. I think I'm not like South Carolina's in the SEC. Like they're not some poverty program, you know? So he's gonna get the exposure that he needs to get drafted. I don't know about his C2C CFF upside. That's what always concerned me there because I don't like they've played a top three toughest schedule every single year. So I don't know how much production you're going to get out of him, but I do think that he's a really talented player who can give you those boom weeks when they do have good, a, a, a positive matchup. And I think he's just a talented back who's going to gain value. Uh, all right. My running back is Demari Alston. And uh, he's a back that I kind of liked uh, last year in the freshman class, kind of a bowling ball body type with a lower center of gravity. Not a player that you're going to see run overly physically when he you know, lowers his shoulder, but I think that he does have good contact balance. But the thing about Damari Alston is if Jarquez Hunter you know, continues to have the trouble that he's ha- having, and I don't know, has Jarquez Hunter, was he suspended for – has he, he's not, uh, it has not, not, not as hasn't come out. Okay. So maybe there's no uh, suspension there. Maybe, he, maybe nothing happens, but you know, there is the potential for that. But even if he is still starts, I think that Damari Alston is going to have a role in this offense. He has, he's borderline ideal size, 5'10, uh, uh, 209. If he can get to 215, I think that that's ideal. Um, good understanding of cutback lanes and wide zone. He's patient enough on gap plays. And, and once he decides to hit the hole, he has a good initial burst. Um, so um, we're talking about value here. This is another one from a value perspective. Not rostered in a lot of C2Cs, probably going late 
after the 10th, 11th round in supplemental drafts, probably going after round 35 in uh, startup drafts. So he's a guy that I could see being on an NFL roster. I don't know how high his ceiling is because, you know, we haven't really seen him play. He looked good in the spring game, but he's a player that, I you know, I liked coming in as a freshman. And then what I've seen of him play so far, I've liked that too. Might be a uh, – what's the the guy's name? Gus Gus Edwards type where he just mucks up a a, a backfield. Like, why do do they have Gus Edwards there, Um, you know, keeping – carries away from somebody like J.K. Dobbins. So I think that he could be a potential NFL player, but probably not one with a tremendously high ceiling. So do that with what you will. We've got one more position, and then we'll go to flag plants um, for the class. But before we get to that, there was a question in the comments from Kyle. He wants to know what our thoughts are, are, are on Bucky Irving. I don't know. We just had a long conversation about Bucky Irving, what, two weeks ago? When uh, John Arrington came on the show, John Arrington, a fan of Bucky Irving. I know that Bucky Irving is going to be a great CFF asset. 5'10", 194, he catches the ball. You know, Chris is shaking his head kind of. He's going to be a 1,000-yard rusher or should be a 1,000-yard rusher. Everybody's shaking their head. Um, He's a versatile player, but at 5'10", 194, you kind of got to be elite in the passing game because that's what Jameer Gibbs was. Um, I don't know if he is that. Any like over Christmas. Bucky Irving is the most overrated Devi asset in the entirety of a Devi or B camps can leagues period. I'll, I'll just say right now. That's how I feel about Bucky Irving. He's nothing. I don't think he's a pr- productive CFF producer. I think he's a round four at best NFL pick, but he's small. He's undersized. I don't know what his role is in an NFL offense. He's a good player, a really good college player too. But I think he's really over. People, a lot of people are projecting NFL outcome with him, or like a high end one. I just, I just don't understand it. I really, really don't. I, I think, I just think he's overrated. Sorry, was that that was harsh, wasn't it? He I mean, that's nothing. I mean, that, nothing. I don't mind. I, I don't mean it I like agree. that. I agree with Chris. I, I think he's he's over it. We've seen a lot of people talk about how he was the best running back in the Pac-12 last year. Okay, there's no running backs in the Pac-12. That's not saying much. Like there's really than, like Xavier Valade. Uh, that's supposedly what they say. I, I just don't. We've seen undersized backs get drafted, but as Felix mentioned, they have some sort of elite trait, whether it's speed like Devin Achain, receiving like Jameer Gibbs. Marquis Serving doesn't have any of that. I just I would be surprised if he even gets drafted round four next year. He's a day three pick. Well, I can even I can I can go hotter. Yeah, I, but I some people yes. I don't think I, I wouldn't be shocked if he goes undrafted, actually. He's 190 pounds, and he doesn't – yeah, like Matt said, I don't think he really has an elite skill or even like a really good skill, you know? Like I think he's just okay. He's just kind of there. He's fun in college, but yeah. He's currently our RB36 in our CFF rankings, and I I have him RB60 for what it's worth. Uh, Calling him the best – I'm trying to think. How how much clout is that giving him, calling him the best running back in the – Pac-12. That's Off the top of my head, saying. that group would include what? Jaquindon Jackson, Cameron Damian, Scatterbro? Damian Martinez. Oh, Damian Martinez. Wow. No, Damian Martinez. Was last was the year. real best yeah. back No, this there, coming year. This upcoming year. Was the most productive. Oh, there's a ton. There's a ton of backs better than him this year. 
Okay. In my opinion, in my opinion, I just, I'm, I, I'm trying to think of him off Mike, the top. Of Michael head. Wiley he's... might be better than him. Jonah Coleman, who was RB two at Arizona, might be better both, than him. Both, both, both Arizona T- running backs. Tamari and Harden, Carson Steele, um, <laughs> both, both UCLA I, running backs. I like Cameron Scadabo. I think Marshawn Lloyd is probably going to be better than him. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Damian Martinez is better than him. Nikki Watson won't be used like it, but he could be better than him. I really am just not a fan of Bucky Irving. I'll is be Austin honest. Jones I get, still at USC? Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't think he's, but I don't think he's, I don't, think he's, I don't think he's better than Bucky. Oh, EJ, EJ Smith, who's coming back from an injury too. He oh, was better yeah, than Bucky Irving yeah. starting the year last year. Pac-12 does Jay, have some Jay Knott. I don't know. I like Jay Knott, but maybe not. Um, but you get the point, right? Like we, I think as a group, we are far lower than consensus on Bucky Irving. There are a couple of players that we've been talking about since we started this show in November of 2020, and Austin Jones is one of those players. Mark, Michael Penix Jr. is another one. All right, let's let's go to a tight end real, here real quick. Austin, if you have one. Um, I know sometimes we skip tight end, but I have one. So I don't have one because I don't care about tight ends. I'll just carry over from what I said yeah, earlier look in the at show. Me. I don't, don't care, care about tight ends. Mox loves the tight ends. Yeah, so to say from being mocked because I hate doing tight ends as well, and I'll just put literally nothing but studs in every single one of my things. I'll just cede my time to Mox. Go ahead. I I think I was the first one on here to move Colson Loveland to my tight end three maybe two or three months ago. Um, I just think he's in a perfect situation. I think that he's a really good player who flashed last year. I trust Michigan to develop these type of players. Like he just fits, I think, what the ideal Michigan development curve is. Um, player that I'm really aggressively targeting still. Just think he's a solid tight end. He's already he just needs to bulk up a little bit. But I mean, he bulks up. He'll be two two forty five, two fifty, and we'll be he'll, we'll be all set. I, I think that he's a really good receiver. Now here's the name that I have not said. I, I don't think that I've ever said this name on the show. Maybe I have. Maybe I'm not. Surprised but... you know who this player is. Oh no, okay. he goes to he goes to Notre Dame. Never mind. That's uh Notre Dame tight end Eli Reardon is Reardon. I'm I'm a, gonna pronounce it Reardon. I'm but pretty I sure it's Reardon. 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 Uh, when he was coming in last year, I, I think the easiest way to describe this player is that you know tight end can be a position, but it it can also be a mentality. And Eli Eli Reardon just has the mentality, and it's no surprise like his grandfather was a strength and conditioning coach at Notre Dame. His father was an offensive lineman at Notre Dame. And he's just has a nasty streak, both when the ball is not in his hands and when it's in his hands Uh, as a blocker, he's unnecessarily physical at times. And I like that. Uh, He runs with the same physicality. Um, He catches the ball naturally, naturally away from his frame, but I naturally away from his frame, but that frame is a six, seven, 250 pound frame. Like this guy is built like how we want NFL tight ends to be built. Um, the only problem is, is that he just can't stay healthy. He had an ACL injury coming out of uh, out his senior year in in high school, but he was ready for the season. And he played last year. Now, he didn't record any stats, but he actually played last year and then tore his ACL again. So he's um, on the men from injury, but I just – love the physicality that he plays with. And we know that uh, Notre Dame has a history with developing, you know, elite tight ends. And I, I think that there's a chance that this guy could be elite, you know, played wide receiver and played tight end uh, in high school. The one problem that I had, he went to high school in Iowa. Iowa is the same state that fooled me with uh, 
uh, Hunter Deckers. Hunter Deckers was tearing up, tearing up uh, Iowa high school football. Um, so that's a, a concern. But the real concern is just him, him staying healthy. Two ACLs on one knee. I'm not telling you to roster him. This is from like a just keep tabs on him. Maybe it's ne- maybe he doesn't play at all this year. Maybe it's next year um, that we see him. But remember, I mean, like Travis Kelsey missed his whole um, rookie year with a knee injury. That wasn't an ACL. It was like a bone, bone bruise or something like that that he had to have surgery on. Um, it wasn't an ACL. But we've seen players kind of return from these types of injuries. And I just – Again, it's the mentality that he plays with. In addition to that frame, like he's six foot seven, two hundred fifty pounds, and when he's healthy, he plays like he's six foot seven, two hundred fifty pounds. So I really uh, like the player. So um, Eli Reardon, Reardon for me. All right, let's go here to the classes. We'll close it out with this. So we're going to pick a flag plant for next year's draft class, the twenty twenty five draft class, and the twenty twenty six draft class. Twenty twenty six would obviously be the freshman for this year. So Austin, uh, why don't you kick it off for kick it off for us? This is embarrassing. I don't really have a good twenty twenty four one, and I think it's because at this point, like guys moved there last year in school but like realistically i think we have a pretty good shape of at least generally what this class is going to be so the guy i've been pounding the table for a lot recently is jace mcclellan and i do feel the need to pound it just one more time because i was reading a, a fairly prominent draft thing the other day that had him as like the rb20 in the class or something and i just think that's bonkers uh he'll he'll go way higher than that I, i'm not really sure um what that that particular person was was watching or looking at but so uh, mcclellan for me he's a top five back in this class we're only doing one player okay cool i really i really did not understand the assignment here um so one player for the 2024 class uh i'll just go with the second quarterback i had i had put quinn uh at jackson dart i know that he's kind of been shit on because of what happened to start the season last year but toward the end of the year he played much better in this system came over looked really good in the mississippi state game the arkansas game i actually didn't think he played that bad in the alabama or that's actually think he played really good in the texas a&m game looked okay for the most part in, in in the bowl game against texas tech but he improved every single one of those games and if you go look at the advanced stats for some of the things he did when under pressure and blitz, he was actually up there with Drake, May, Caleb Williams, and completion percentage when being pressured and blitz, which I think is a massive thing for quarterbacks. Doesn't, at least in my opinion, have a lot around him wide receiver-wise. I mean, Jonathan Mingo, I know, got drafted in the second round. I don't think he's – Mox already is declaring him a bust. Hasn't even taken the snap in the NFL yet. I don't think that he had a lot of talent around him, but I do think he's a very talented quarterback, and I think given that second year in this system – Maybe he doesn't end up coming out in 2024, but I think with the typical thirst we see for quarterbacks from the NFL, if he has a good season playing in the SEC, I think that rises him to probably decent draft capital. He's a guy that I think is going to have a really good 2023 season. Y'all just cannot quit Jackson Dart. I don't know what it is about Jackson Dart that y'all are that y'all love so much, but man, like he could do no wrong. In, He's our I college sleeve, I, so I, you know, no, I think it has to do with that player. As far as like on-field look and swag, Jackson Dart would be up there if you had to. Like he has a sweet on-field look. He, he I, I will sweet on-field he, look. 
He looks like a quarterback. He looks good in shorts. He, he wears the arm sleeves. Yeah, he, he I feel cool. like he had a visor on at one point. I mean, Jackson Dart looks on. like a creative, a creative yeah, player. He's fun. He he was also hurt the back half of last season. So and still played well. Like I, I just look. It's either him or Travion Henderson. Mox, who do you want? I tried to go a little bit deeper because that's all I have. So, yes, the RB, R, the RB, yes, the RB one or. Quarterback you, could, you could just choose better players, and then we wouldn't have had this this, nah. this issue. That's true. I, there were there were a lot of options. All right, twenty twenty four. This is the player that I was going to choose as uh, my wide receiver. It's gonna be Antoine Wells. I mean, this is a guy that I liked um, before he even enrolled in South Carolina when he was just entering the portal. I thought he was a really talented player, really good with the ball in his hands. I don't think he creates separation like extremely well. But he's like that NFL size, the NFL build that is becoming a more um, valuable position. So he's he's like that 6'1", 200, 195 range. And I, I just think he's a really good player. And I think he could lead the SEC in receiving yards this year. He's he's really good. And Austin Austin penned his apology to me. He didn't. I don't know that he said my name on Campus Life this week, but... I did. I think pretty sure I actually called you a homer. That was my apology. I, I called I you a hate homer. My He's one hundred percent a homer. We got a flag plant episode. You're k- k- picking all South Carolina players. This guy's both. Jeez, I, no shame. I hate my team too, but like I actually, I actually like some players for the first time in forever. Um, that we have. I like. I didn't like Marshawn Lloyd last. Anyway, not not the point. But I, I mean, I liked Antoine was last year, and I think he's getting the hype now, and deservedly so. He's a day two pick. No, I don't know. I've I've tried to watch him, and he's just one a player that I just don't see what the excitement is about. He's had ankle injuries too that have limited him for what's worth. Is he an older prospect? Like, how old is Antoine Wells? Is he also older? Yeah, he is because he because he played those years at JMU. Right. I I assume these guys who transfer that they have like two years at JMU. So this he might be entering his fourth year this year. Okay. So he's a senior. All right. You, you should have just made your quarterback flag plant Spencer Rattler and just I think him. he sucks. I'm just saying, like you could just round hey, it out the whole there's league. there's still a shot for Lenora Sellers here in a couple classes, so don't hold your breath. Yeah, just wait till you hear me talk about Luke Doty next. <laughs> Is he still there? Uh, yeah, he's quarterback too. Oh god. <laughs> He needs to move to another position. I feel like is Luke can Luke Doty play another position? Can he play. He played wide receiver. Season? He that's played wide receiver last year. Played. That's what I thought. I thought he played well. I don't know. If he, I, I don't even know if he had a catch. He had one target, as far as I'm aware. He tried really hard. Yeah. Tried really hard. Uh, my 2024 flag plant is Lad McConkey. Now I don't know that I talked about Lad McConkey on this show, or if it was just a better sports show. But um, in doing, you know, some research for the show. According to both On3 and 24-7 Sports, NFL scouts have said that he's either a top 50 player or like a top 10 wide receiver, some combination of one of those things. Both in recent articles, On3 and 24-7 have said that. Like when you look at his – if you're an analytics guy and you look at his stats, you're not – they don't pop. But let's remember that this is a team that wants to run the ball first first and foremost, or they have uh, traditionally. But he's a guy who can uncover quickly from the, sc- the, the slot. He has reliable hands. I think that what he can do outside is underrated because he has good – he's not the biggest wide receiver, but he has good ball tracking ability. So it makes it – you can throw him back shoulder 
uh, fades back shoulder routes if you want to. Um, uh, and then he's he's a guy who can run double moves and he can run after the catch. That's evident by you know them using him as a punt returner. Now he's not Barry and Brown as a punt returner, but he is a solid, reliable player. I think if he if 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 Lad McConkey was a four star prospect and had the stats that he did, I think that the hype around him would be a little more um, solidified. But because he's a three star guy, because he's you know has a lower uh, uh, lower stats and um, you know, he's You're almost there. The hype, but but I think oh because he's white <laughs> because <laughs> because he's a white guy. Do you not think that hurts him? Um, I I, I think it does. I honestly didn't think I didn't think I didn't think I think it's the statistical thing. Like people see Brock Bowers as the number one guy, and then there's no, you know, there's no other considerations there. Yeah, but, but white, white guys are always tight ends. I'm, I'm just I'm like I'm saying like I think that. You know, people look at Georgia as not being, you know, an explosive offense, and that overall hurts the perception of Lad McConkey. In addition to his recruiting pedigree, so, um, but I, I mean, I don't, I don't have to tell you what I think. I can just tell you what's been reported by On Three and Twenty Four Seven. So he's been moved up to my top twenty and wide receiver, um, available in a lot of places in campus can and supplemental drafts. So flag plan for twenty twenty four, Lad McConkey. All right. Let's get 2025 and 2026 real quick, Austin. You want to just give us both so we can knock this out? Garrett Nussmeyer and Kedra Criscano. You said real quick. Is that good? Nussmeyer finally gets the job at USC, UCF, LSU, one of those letter schools. And Riscano is the RB2 at Ole Miss by the end of this year. Call me a homer, yet I've not picked an Ohio State player, and I'm going to shock you guys with this one. Tyler Morris, wide receiver for Michigan. He is a speed threat player. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Suck it, all of you. You had no idea that was coming, <laughs> did you? He is an extremely fast player, tracks the ball very well down the field. This is just for my boy Chris K, who says that they are going to be a more wide-open offense. They're going to pass the ball more down the field. I actually think with his ability to, at least in high school, for what he was able to do yak-wise at the line of scrimmage, if Jaden Davis uh, does take over next year, I think he will be a guy that will get him the ball quickly and be able to make plays down the field. I, I think he's the pro- I might arguably one of the be one of the best wide receivers on their entire roster. So uh, Tyler Morris. My flag plant for 25, 26. This is a guy that I've talked about. Should I go with a guy I've talked about before or go for another guy that you, I guarantee you guys have never heard of your, your choice. I'll let you guys pick surprises. I like you surprising us. Now I get to go. Well, I'm going to pull Felix. I'm going to say both. I won't talk about the one Braden Dorman was going to be the quarterback as I thought we were doing one at each position. Uh, the other player that I will bring up is uh, one nice. I don't know how to say his name. Nizaya Hunter. I think is how you say his name. Wide receiver going to Cal. He was a guy that I graded that I liked. He ended up in the top tier. Oh, you know who that is, Moxley? I don't know. You're, you're raising your hands like you know who it is. Maybe I, I no. Uh, I, 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 I'm just impressed. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so. Hey, you guys said I had to go deep. So I actually went deep for every class, but we didn't talk about them all. Um, very quick off the line, really good acceleration. Now, he doesn't have long speed. We only have him at, like, right over 20 miles per hour, which I believe is the threshold, so it's not great. You, I would have loved him to be, obviously, a little bit faster. But that Cal wide receiver room, in my opinion, is wide open. Doesn't great that their quarterback is Sam Jackson, who's more of a rushing threat than a passing guy. But I do think Hunter could step in there, have a fairly good freshman season, and be a guy that is productive. I 
He reminds me a lot of Ja'Cory Brooks. The issue is he not, he's not going to get the production I think Ja'Cory Brooks could because he's not going to have the quarterback in the system there. But he is a guy that I really liked last year. He was the top of my tier three, I believe, in my grades. Uh, Tyler Morris, according to Campus Kent's athletics tool, has a .49 speed score, but he has a .83 burst score. Some recognizable names for comps for him are UCLA's Kyle Phillips, what now with the Tennessee Titans, and uh, Terry Godwin. Terry Godwin was a what former Bears wide receiver, if I remember correctly. Um, so two, I mean, two NFL comps there. So we'll we'll see. There you go, Chris K. That was just for you. Nice. All right. Uh, 2025 could go Evan Stewart. I know he's at the top of his rankings. I just, I feel really good about projecting his profile. Um, bottom line, I, I just really like the player and think that he's gonna have a good year in spite of everything going on at Texas A&M. Um, I'd rather have him. He's, he's been number one player in the, or number one player. No, p- number one wide receiver in, in next year's class, but he's close to be the number one player. I had to legitimately think about it. Uh, 2026. I want to go, well, um, whatever. Another high player, I don't care. Uh, Arch Manning. I, like, I, I just think Arch Manning's good at football, and I'm willing to invest in him at the top five value, despite how I think he's been unfairly knocked down. Like I think he, people are taking an extra critical eye to him because he's his name is Arch Manning, and if he wasn't, I think we'd be really confident in where we are projecting him, but he's not going as a top two quarterback, generally speaking. And I think that he has the profile to do so. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel really confident a year from now that we're saying Arch Manning has more value than he does right now, like pretty easily too. Uh, that's interesting. Cause our flag plans for uh, uh, go kind of hand in hand. My 2025 flag plant is Malik Murphy. Um, I just think that whether it's at Texas or somewhere else, he's going to get a chance to to start. And he's a guy that, in my opinion, has all throws arm talent. Um, he can quickly release off platform. You see a lot of quarterbacks when they're off their base, they kind of have to regather uh, before they throw the ball. He he doesn't. He can be off platform and see somebody. He can release it really quick, even if he's you know mid stride. Um, he, this is a guy who did not play a lot of football because he really only spent one year as a starter. 2020, he was affected in California with uh, them shutting down the season uh, with COVID. And then he started as a senior, but, you know, hasn't played a lot of football. He's a guy that could have a a high ceiling because he hasn't had a lot of reps. And we know that that means a lot at that position. If it's with Sark, he's going to have a really high ceiling. I think that there is a non-zero chance that, you know, if Quinn Ewers goes to the NFL next year on the off chance that he does, that it's Malik Murphy and not uh, Arch Manning that gets that, that starting job. And if it's not at Texas, I think that somebody will come calling for him. And anytime, this is from a value perspective again, anytime you have that arm that you can make any type of throw and you're a quick release pocket passer, you can kind of move in the pocket too. I think that there's going to be, a, a safe landing spot for him. So from a value perspective, if Malik Murphy is out there, you could probably get him after the 10th round in supplemental drafts. I'm going to take, I'm going to take that uh, a chance there. And then 2026 is Lenora Sellers. If you, if this is your first time watching us for some reason, we've talked about South Carolina Lenora Sellers a lot. I'm guessing that this was one of Chris's potential flag plants, but because he saw it on my list, he decided to go elsewhere. But I, I think, 
If you've never seen Lenora Sellers play, I think the lazy comp for him that that they're going to use on television when once he actually plays is Anthony Richardson. But he he's that's because he's the size of Anthony Richardson, but he's not nearly as athletic as him. No one is. Um, but he's more developed as a passer at this point in his development than Anthony Richardson was as a freshman, in my opinion. So not as athletic, but more developed as a passer. Um, and that's really evident from his last year in high school where he had like 30 some odd touchdowns, just a, four interceptions was like a, you know, could, could really throw the ball. So um, I'm just really impressed by what he can do with his feet and with his arm as a true freshman. I actually think that this year I would expect uh, uh, South Carolina to have some packages for him. Maybe he gets five, uh, like a five package play because he's totally different than um, Spencer Rattler. And if you want to, if you want to have plus, uh, numbers in the running game. What are you going to do? You're going to run the quarterback. I could see him having a red, some sort of red zone package. I remember when Tim Tebow was a freshman, they had uh, a red zone package for him when Chris Leak was still the quarterback. I could see the same kind of thing with Lenore Sellers because he all, he's also a bigger body. So I mean, not, not only run the quarterback, but he's you know six foot four, two hundred and thirty five pounds, or maybe two hundred and forty pounds. So you can kind of ram it in there if a, if a coach wants to be conservative. Coach Martin's favorite play at the goal line was quarterback sweep. I mean, that's just with with God rest his soul, uh, uh, Cullen Finnerty. Co- co- coaches like to be conservative at the goal line. So, um, all right, uh, I think I think that's it. This is a little bit of a longer one. Um, check out the website. We've got content always coming there. If you if you didn't know that, check up check out campustocanton.com. The CFF guide is available now for twenty dollars at campustocanton.com. And I think we're going to have a big announcement at the end of this month. So stay tuned for that. That's all I'm really going to say about that. Um, all right, everybody, that's it for the show. Apologies to Kirk Herb Street. We ran out of time. We'll get them rescheduled soon. For Austin Ace, Matt Bruni, and Chris Moxley, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. <laughs>